15, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What's that? Oh, children are dismissed. Yeah, sorry, I forgot. Not used to that at 8.30, doing that. Thank you. And uh, I want to, uh, this morning, talk about the power of Christ's resurrection. And uh, our reading from 1 Corinthians 15, and this is um, verses 12 through 19, which says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile or empty, and you are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiful. Then 1 Corinthians 15, 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? You know, there was recently a Gallup poll that was done talking about the religious persuasion and participation in church of men and women across the continental United States. In 1945, 75% of people would have identified themselves in membership or attendance with the local church. That's in 1945, 75%. Today, that number is 47%. 47%. In the same time frame, those who never attended church would have identified themselves making up 9%. So in 1945, only 9% of people had never been to a church. And today that number has risen to 30% of people have never been to a church. A recent article in the Los Angeles Times had the heading, Why America's Record Godlessness is Good News for the Nation. Amazing, isn't it? Why America's Godlessness is Good News for the Nation. It was a cynical piece concerning the secularization of our country. To move God out of, to move the church, to take the church and put it in a place of just as like any other social club that you could be a part of. You and I stand on the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ was resurrected. We stand upon the truth that the, of the gospel that Jesus Christ was resurrected. There are three words that define the resurrection. Incomparable, it's indispensable, and it's inescapable. And I'm believing today is... We talked about as we started this service, this revelation of Christ, that we have a revelation and an understanding. You know, the Bible says that you have been given the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And that that revelation, I want us today to be able to walk out of here understanding and defining and realizing the resurrection is incomparable, it is indispensable, 
and it is absolutely inescapable. The resurrection is incomparable. It's not just like other resurrections. You know, there were others that were resurrected, brought back from the dead. I mean, we could be talking about Jairus' daughter. We could be talking about the widow's son at Nain. We could be talking about Lazarus out of John chapter 11. They were all brought back from the dead. But here's the thing that's different about Christ. Jesus didn't just talk about being resurrected. In, Revelation, in John chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and I am the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. He didn't just say, I'm going to be resurrected. He said, I am the resurrection. Revelation 1.18, he says, I am he who lives and I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I like it. Even Jesus amened his own things. Amen. <laughs> that he said, I like that. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. The keys of Hades and death. A religious leader said this, every day some new ism arises, but not all ideas are of equal value. Not every opinion can be given due weight. Once we succumb to the dictatorship of relativism, as it has been properly called, an attempt to survive by accommodating ourselves to every passing idea and fad of modernism, our ship is lost. Our ship is lost. And then he goes on to say, we do not need a church that will move with the world, but we need a church that will move the world. That will move the world. The resurrection... The power of the resurrection is incomparable. What happened? You know, our faith that we have is not about what we have done. It's not about how we attained. It's about what he did for us. I don't care what religion that you put out there. It will not be. None of them will match the idea that the one that you worship is the one that did all the work, that went... That as Christ who went to the cross, who bore the shame, who suffered for you and I. There is nothing that is comparable to that in our world. This idea of human relativism that is constantly working in our society. And, and basically what that means for you and I, and, what, and, and we'll realize this, is it's basically a, a repeat of something that's written about right at the end of the book of Judges, where every man does what's right in his own sight. That works for me. So that's what I'm going to do. That's how I'm going to live. That doesn't work for me. So we pick and choose what we want to believe based off of some type of moral relativism that we have in our life that we've made our decisions based off our own thinking. And let me tell you that we're in big trouble if we're all going to rely on our own thinking to come up with what we're going to decide is truth and what is not truth. Because, see, my truth is going to be different than your truth what I believe is going to be different than what you believe. And so, therefore, you and I will end up in conflict. And that's exactly what we see happening around us, isn't it? But I'm glad to know today that when we come together, that we believe in a Jesus who not only died, not only was buried, but a Jesus Christ that was resurrected from the dead, hallelujah, for you and I. And he did that for us. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about why he did that for us why do we even need the resurrection i mean we talk a lot about the cross we talk about what jesus did on the cross we know that he suffered and died on the cross we know that he became the sin for all of mankind on the cross 
We know that he bore the sins of the world, that he was, that he was separated from God. Uh, Psalm 22 tells us prophetically, you know, that he would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That he became the sin of the whole world. He, took, he became the last Adam to take away the sin that the first Adam had brought into the world. He did that for you and I. Why did he, why did he do that for us? Because Christ's resurrection is indispensable. We have to have an understanding of what the resurrection is in our lives. Christ's resurrection is the confirmation to us that the Father has accepted the sacrifice for us. Christ, listen now, Christ's resurrection is confirmation to every believer that the Father has accepted his great sacrifice for us. Romans 4.25 there on the screen he was delivered up because of our offenses now we could say amen to that because we understand that but look at this and he was raised because of our justification the our justification comes because he was raised and i'll explain what that means in just a moment in the in the um, passion translation it says jesus was handed over to be crucified for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised back to life to prove that he had made us right with God. The resurrection says to you and I that we have been justified in the sight of God, that we have been made right. It is not just a theological appendix to the crucifixion, you know, just something that we can, you know, if you ever look at a book and it has an appendix in it, you don't spend a lot of time there unless you're looking for something. And so the part you're looking for is the real meat of the book. But listen to me, the resurrection is not an appendix. It's not just a, a, a part of the story. It's what, it is a congruent story of you cannot have the crucifixion of Christ without the resurrection of Christ. You cannot have one without the other because even though it was at the cross, Jesus said it is finished. That was not the complete work for you and I because there was something more that had to be done in his resurrection and that was that you and I are justified in the sight of God. Now listen, this is what's hurting the church today. Because we keep running back to the cross for forgiveness, but we forget that we are already forgiven in Christ Jesus. I'm not saying we shouldn't live penitent in our lives for the sins that we commit, but we live weak and, and because we, we live as a weak church in the world today because we don't realize that we have been justified in the sight of God. And what that means is, what the Father did is he said, look... Uh, Jesus, when he resurrected him from the dead, was to say to every believer that would believe on him that the sacrifice has been fully paid, I have accepted it, and now I send my son back to you, resurrected from the dead, to approve to you and prove to you that you are justified. What does the resurrection mean for you and I? It means that we are justified in the sight of God. Someone one time said, justified means just as if I'd never sinned just as if I'd never sinned see when you have a church that limps along not sure about where its eternity will be not sure about who it is what it has and what it can do then it becomes weak because what happens to us is is that now we're under the subject subjugation of the idea that but but am I all right with God but am I all right with God today I'll give an altar call and I promise you that there are people that have prayed before that will pray again. They'll pray for because they're not sure. 
Because they have no, what we call a blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. Oh, what a glory, a foretaste divine. They don't understand that, look, I've got this in my life, and now I'm not who I was, but I am justified in the sight of God through Jesus Christ my Lord who has been raised from the dead. I wish I could get a good amen. Look, it's, the, the resurrection is not a theological appendix to the crucifixion which means that it's nice to have, but it has no real application. Every day of our lives, these disciples' lives were not impacted by the crucifixion. They were, they were impacted by the resurrection. Remember that nobody went to the grave looking for a living Savior. The women that went to the grave, you heard it read earlier, they were just going to, a, they were more worried about who was going to move the stone so they could go in and anoint his body. The disciples, his closest allies, none of them were looking for the resurrection. But when they saw a risen Savior, the resurrection impacted their lives. Christ's death and his resurrection are interwoven. You won't read in your Bible where the, re the crucifixion is solely talked about without the resurrection being the next part of it because it is an interwoven idea. One does not exist without the other. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand. He said, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. That Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and then by the twelve. And then you talk about that these saw him, but then it goes on to say, and 500 people saw him at one time in that same, in that next verse. Because here's the thing, the resurrection is indispensable. You and I, the focus of our lives is not just in the crucifixion of Christ and what he suffered and what he went through for us, that he bore the sins of the world for us, that he suffered and he died for us, but in his resurrection that he has justified us before the Father because his work was justified before the father the father said it is enough it is done see it's one thing for jesus to say on earth it is finished it's another the resurrection is the father saying it is finished for you and i hallelujah there is no is this verse our earlier verses said there is no salvation for sin unless jesus is alive i mean isn't that that's tough. We, we think, well, well, gosh, if I just, I mean, he paid the price, but see, he had to resurrect so that you could be, it couldn't, it isn't finished. Now, there were things that he did within that time frame, went into heaven, that he placed the blood upon the altar of heaven, that he came, that he escaped out of the, uh, led forth those who were captive in hell that were in the place, what we would call Abraham's bosom or paradise. But all those things that happened, but he had to come back. He had to resurrect so that you and I could receive the fullness in our lives of everything that he did for us. This is why Paul says our preaching is useless and your faith is in vain if Christ is not raised. But here's the good news. He is raised, your faith is not in vain, and our preaching is not useless. Can you say amen? If you study this word that's used for justified in the, in the Greek language, it's a Greek word, dikaiosane. And it's not just an attribute, but it's a power. Namely, a power that brings salvation to pass. Christ's resurrection, his resurrection power, is what brings about 
the experience that we have in our lives. See, if it's only about looking to a cross where a Savior hung and bled and died for you and I and paid for our sins while he was there, then what it's going to do in our lives is it's not going to transform us. It's just going to keep us there gazing upon what he has done for us. But see, Jesus' plan was not that you would spend your time at the cross, but that you would spend your time experiencing the power of his resurrection in your life, that you could walk in this life under the same authority and the same power that he operated under. In Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 8, it says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal, dying body has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. See, what Jesus came to do was he came to set you and I free from the authority that death has held over mankind since Adam. You know, death, and I know we're taught this in our world, but death is not natural. See, that's what the world teaches us. That's what humanity teaches us. Humanity teaches us that you live and you die. And so you're going to get old and you're going to die and your life's going to cease. And you, that, that you just, it's inevitable. There's no way around it. You're going to die. But here's the thing, it's still not natural. And I'm going to tell you how you know it's natural. Because you fight it with every fiber in your being because you were not created to die, you were created to live. If you believe that death is inevitable, then stop taking the medications, quit going to the doctors, quit fighting against what you're fighting against. But if you believe, if you believe you were created to live, then you fight death with all your being. You say, well, why do we still die? We die because we, through Adam we are tied back to the earth. You know, when God made Adam, he breathed his life in him. And man operated under the rules of heaven, not the rules of earth. The rules of earth is things live, things die, seasons come, seasons go. Everything changes. It's talked about in Ecclesiastes. There's a time to live, a time to die, a time to be born, a time, all the different things it talks about. But that's because we're tied to time. Man was not created to be tied to time. He was created to be tied to heaven. He was created, you know, in heaven, they don't sit around going, oh yeah, it's three o'clock, right? In heaven, they're not going, oh, what day is it? Because God is the light of heaven. So it's light all the time. You, do you understand what I'm saying? So see, man was tied to the, the things of heaven. Adam was tied. Adam and Eve lived in the blessings of all of that, that the earth was subject to them. And it says that, that they would, everything would be subject to them while they were on the earth and that they were to guard it and to keep it. And the devil was subject. Everything was subject. They had to do what they said to do. But when they chose to rebel against God, they went from being tied to the principles and rules of heaven to being tied to the principles and rules of earth. Now, gratefully, through Jesus Christ, what has happened for you and I 
is, is that Jesus has broken the power of an eternity in hell for mankind if they believe on him. He has broken that power of the earth to pull you to the ground and keep you there and that you would go down into the depths of the earth into hell. But what also we need to recognize is that when we receive Christ, man, I hope you get this this morning, you're now tied to the principles of heaven once again. Now your physical body is still tied to this earth and so you're going to be fighting with it. In fact, you're by, and, and you say, well, how long will we be fighting with it till the earth is redeemed? In fact, your Bible tells you, you can read it in Romans chapter 8. It tells us very plainly there that it says that, look, all creation groans for the redemption of the sons of God, for God's people to rise up and be who they are called to be. Why? Because the earth is living under the curse of what mankind chose to do in the Garden of Eden. It didn't just affect man, it affected the world that man was in. Everything started going crazy. Thorns started coming out. All these things that were harmful and rebellion took place. Man not only rebelled, every animal rebelled. Everything rebelled that was in the earth. And the world is still bearing under the burden of it. In fact, I'll tell you, and just as a little insight into this, and you can dig into this scientifically if you'd like to, but... The earth under that groaning continues to move and shift on its axis. When these massive, in this what's called the ring of fire, this massive area of earthquakes that takes place, that there are, there are shifts that are taking place on this planet. People say, well, why is there, why, are, why do we have some of the challenges that we do with the weather? Well, look, the, things, the thing is, is that you keep moving the earth from where it was created to be, it isn't going to function the way God created it to function. And it is a proven fact that there was a major earthquake that took place not too many years ago that it actually moved the earth one degree off its axis. I believe that because of the sin, I think if you dig into it, you'd find it's true, that because of the flood of Noah that took place in Noah's day that it shifted the earth. That the earth was created to move one way, but it just continues to shift and shift. You say, well, when will it stop? Well, it's not going to stop. But there is a new heaven and a new earth on the way. Can you say amen? And so you and I look forward to that day. But this earth is still subject under that power. And your body that came from this earth, are you with me? Your genetics came out of this ground. The dirt that you and I walk upon, our genetics came from it. We are tied to this ground. But your spirit now operates under the principles of the kingdom of God. Now here's the great power of all of that. Those principles can be applied in this natural earth. And that's why Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You would think the way that some have prayed in the, in the last years, that they're praying, thy kingdom come, your will be done in heaven as it's done on earth. No, you and I are operating under the kingdom of a justified Savior who has justified us 
and has now applied and put in our lives the principles of the kingdom of God. You have authority now, friend. You have the authority, listen to me, you have the authority that Jesus Christ walked on on this earth. You say, well, I don't feel like it. See, that's because you're not focused on the resurrection, you're still looking at the cross. Because the resurrection is the completion of exactly what happened that you and I were justified. You know, if it were true that we were just focused, going to focus on the cross, then church should be on Friday night. But it's on Sunday morning because we celebrate that he is resurrected. Every, not just one time a year during the Passover, we celebrate it every single week of our lives that he is a resurrected Savior. How many of you are glad for it? See, death is the result of sin. It is no other, there is no other reason that there is death except because of sin. It did not exist until sin came into the world. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. Whereas in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this, but thanks be to God who gives us, listen to me now, gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to look at this verse very closely. It doesn't say, but thanks be to God who allows us to attain victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, thanks be to God who gives us victory, that he has handed it over to you and I and said, here, look, I did all the work. I made all the preparation and I give you now, I am resurrected and I give you this victory that I have experienced because I have defeated death, hell, and the grave. Man, I'm spitting all over the place. Wow. God accepted Christ, and now the very righteousness, <laughs> the very righteousness that used to condemn us when we were apart from Christ, this righteousness is justifying us in Christ. The resurrected Christ is the proof and is the receipt of our justification that it belongs to us. That it belongs to us. Think of how the world will be shaken by a church that believes in a resurrection. Think of how the world would be shaken. Think about how our neighborhoods, our cities, our communities, our families would be shaken if we began to actually live like someone who had been justified in the presence of God, which doesn't make us better, obviously, because it's something that was given to us. You know, we can't be arrogant about it because we know we didn't earn it. We didn't do anything to get it. If you missed our Good Friday service, we had absolutely, it was so powerful. Probably one of the best ones we've ever had. And we had a guy on who, we did a little video clip by a guy named Alistair Begg. And I mean, it was impacting. It was the, he's a pastor in Cleveland, Ohio. But he talked about how that, you know, when Jesus, when Thomas died, you know, on the, or excuse me, not Thomas, the thief on the cross died and he went to heaven, you know, they asked him, why, how, why are you here? And he said, I don't know. They said, well, who said you could come? He said, the guy on the middle cross. Remember this, folks. It's the guy on the middle cross that got you access into heaven. You didn't earn it yourself. I love the, uh, I was talking to Sharon about this last night, that uh, I love the idea, somebody had posted this on Facebook, the picture of the doorposts with the blood on them, you know, from the Passover. Look, it wasn't about the righteousness of the people that were in the house. 
It was about the righteousness of the blood that God saw on the door. It isn't about how perfect the people were. You know, when you and I, we try to bring our own holiness into the presence of a holy God, we fail miserably. But when we bring his holiness into the presence of a holy God, which we have attained and been given through the Lord Jesus Christ, we now stand clean and pure before him and able to operate in this world. We don't have to cower from evil and darkness. We don't have to cower from death and be afraid because we know that the resurrected resurrected Savior has justified us and given us new life. Hallelujah. That very holiness and righteousness that won't condemn us now lets us know that we are part of what it is. The resurrection is also is inescapable. It is inescapable because it makes clear that eternity is a reality for all of us. Hebrews 9.27 says this, as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this there is a judgment. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also he's put eternity in their hearts. You know, God put eternity in the hearts of men. Man did not create that himself. He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. The only way that you and I can deprive death of its terror is to be free from sin, and that is found in Christ, in Christ alone, in Christ alone, a resurrected Savior. Think of how these people's lives were changed by the resurrection. And we'll talk later on in weeks ahead about how that they became witnesses of his power. But the power of that resurrection in their life, they became transformed. They no longer saw themselves as people that are just kind of scraping by in life, constantly having to feel sorry for everything that they've done. But they found victory. You know, it's one thing to constantly have to be going to God for your sin. It's another to be able to look your sin in the face and say, you will not rule my life. You will not rule my life. You are under my feet. You are defeated through the resurrected Savior, and I am justified in the sight of God. The only way to deprive death of its terror, and it does have a terror, is freedom from sin, and that is found in Christ alone. There's a guy named Ricky Gervais, and uh, he has done a show called Afterlife, okay? I don't know where it's on at. I've never watched it. But there is a scene in it in a graveyard where a man encounters a lady who is at the grave of her husband. And she says to this gentleman, well, it's all very sad, but I would rather live missing him than to think of him living missing me. In the interview, Gervais goes on and says, but I'm too selfish. I don't believe that at all. No, I want to die first. I want to die first. And the interview said, interviewer said, but wait a minute. It's normal to fear death. It's normal to fear being dead. To which he replied, I don't fear death. I won't know about it. That's the best thing about being dead. You don't know about it. He said, it's like being stupid. It's only painful to others. He said, I don't believe in an afterlife. So I don't think there's anything to fear after death. That's just, you know, my belief, you know. But did you just hear what he just said? See, he's saying he's not sure. He said, well, that's just 
my belief. Well, I thought he didn't have any beliefs. I thought he didn't believe in anything. You know, if you don't believe in anything, then why are you talking about believing in something? It's because the world system tumbles under the power and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the wisdom and the infinite insight of God Almighty. Acts chapter 17 and verse 31 says, Because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained, he has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Listen to this again. This is so important. Because God has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in his righteousness, in his, in his beauty, in, in his perfection. He'll judge it. I mean, you know, as we think about that, it can make us feel like, oh my goodness, man, I hope my life's okay. I hope I've done everything right. I hope I'm, I'm good with God. I hope I'm doing fine with the man upstairs. I hope everything's good when I go because there's that day of judgment. But listen to what he goes on and says. He will judge the world in righteousness, but he will do it by the man he has ordained. Your judge will be your, your, at, your judge that will stand over you is also your advocate over you who has resurrected from the dead and said, no, you're good, man. I justified you. I've cleansed you. I've set you free. He said he has given assurance. Here it is. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead just to let you know he's still alive and he could still stand in the gap for you and I as our judge and our advocate. You know, on these Easter Sunday mornings, I always go back to one of my favorite Gaither songs and it says, because he lives. Because he lives, look, I could face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know, I know I have a future I know I have a future, and life is worth the living just because he lives. Stand up with me if you would. You have been, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been justified before God. Though your body may fight with you and be bound to the trappings of this world, and you may wrestle against sin, and you might fight with uh, the, the age and all the other things that go with it, just remember this. You have a power that does not come from this earth, but comes from the creator of this earth. You have a power that is the power of resurrection. In Romans, it tells us, and I'll finish with this, the same power that raised Christ from the dead will make alive your mortal body by the spirit that is in you. If you are a believer in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. If you have that Spirit in you, then you have the capability of being made alive. You may this morning be dealing with limbs that aren't working right or knees that are in pain, or you might be dealing with things that are going wrong in your body that you're frustrated with and difficulties that you're going. You may have been told that you can't get pregnant. You may Look, I could bring testimony after testimony of people up here that they said pray for me because I can't we can't get pregnant the doctors have said and now they're pregnant we got a young lady that's about to give birth here in the next couple of weeks that was told over and over again that we just can't understand it but there's just not it's just not working we just this isn't coming together but I want to tell you that look wherever doctors or wherever men say that's what it is you're tied to something greater than what the earth can tell you you're tied to the principles of heaven that say that he will make alive 
If your ovaries are, I don't care if your ovaries are dead, he will make alive your mortal body. Hallelujah. Betty Malls, in my glimpse of eternity, her internal organs were completely eaten up. Her appendix had burst. It had tore the inside of her completely up. It had destroyed her internal organs. And she's laying there. She dies. She goes to heaven. She hears her family praying while she's on earth. Don't ever think your family can't hear your prayers. And she's praying. And here's the thing, what happens. The Lord asks her, he says, do you want to go back or do you want to stay? She says, I want to go back. And so she goes back into her body. And when she comes back, she takes a breath. And the doctors then go on to tell her family and her, you'll never have children. Your ovaries are destroyed. Your womb is destroyed. Your whole internal, we don't even know how you're alive that you've come back. And I'm not talking about she was gone for 30 seconds. She was gone for minutes. And while she's in this body, come back to this earth and dealing with the recovery period through this time, they're telling her all the things that will not work. But I want you to know that same power that raised Christ from the dead, resurrected her mortal body and brought back life to those ovaries, life to that womb. And she had children within just a couple of years and continued to have children thereon. I don't care what doctors have said over your body. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. The things that are impossible with doctors are impossible with, are possible with God. All things are possible to those who believe. And I believe this morning in a resurrected Savior. How about you? I believe in a Savior that has put his spirit in us and says, I'm going to make alive what's dead inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Charlie, come on. In the name of Jesus right now, I just thank you, Father God, for the anointing of your Holy Spirit in this place, Father God, that resurrected power. Lord, I thank you this morning as we gather together that, Lord, that we are not gathering to an empty heaven or some religious idea. We are gathering together to honor a resurrected Savior who has now not just resurrected us, paid the price through all of what he went through, Lord God, for us, but he has resurrected, he has resurrected into this earth, this earth to justify us. And Lord, today that we will walk knowing that we have the same spirit in us that brought life back into that body of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for it. Amen. Charlie? Glory. Jesus is alive, church. Hallelujah. Good news. Uh, if you're here today and, and you would like prayer for anything, we're inviting you to come up. There are a few specific things that, that I want to point out by the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you're, you're dealing with an, a stomach ache, uh, you're, you're, you have that belly ache that, that comes and goes and you just can't seem to get rid of it. Who are you? Raise your hand at me and wave at me over here. Right over here. Anybody else? A bellyache that just keeps going. I want you to come up so we can pray for you. We want to lay hands on you. Don't, don't not get prayer. Uh, by the way, prayer team, please come up. We, I think there's a few more of you here that, that haven't come up. Uh, also, if you're here and you're dealing with a, a hip issue, it's just a chronic hip pain. It's just, who's that? Wave at me. Your hip, and I think it's your right hip. Who is that? Back here. Okay. We want, you to, we want to pray for you. Come on up. Let's, let's let the Lord deal with that. Uh, does anybody up here have a word? Uh, word of knowledge. Carrie, do you? A headache, a stabbing pain in your temple area? If that's you, who's that? A headache, stabbing pain in your, in your temple area? If that's you, please come up. Carrie, did you have something? No? Uh, 
Stephen, anybody here? Anybody here have a word? All right. Uh, those were the things that I had, that Carrie had. If, if that's you, please come up. Uh, also, if, if, if you just want a blessing, uh, the Lord just said, if you, if you want to be blessed, listen, there is power in a blessing. A blessing isn't just a passing phrase. Hey, bless you. Uh, there is great power in a blessing. And we'd like to lay hands on you and speak a blessing over you. If you'd like that, please come on up. If you want prayer for anything now, please come and join us this morning. It's Resurrection Sunday, church. Let's celebrate the power of God. Also, don't forget, before you leave, uh, you need to grab your children. Normally, first service doesn't have that, but uh, we do this morning, so get them. Let me speak a blessing over you now. Father, thank you for your resurrection. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that the grave could not hold you, but on the third day, you rose again. Father, and you were witnessed by hundreds by hundreds, that you were not only alive, but you were ascended into heaven. You're seated at the right hand of the Father. You're making intercession for us. Jesus, we thank you for the life that we have in Christ, and we give you glory for it. Now, Father, bless these people as they go. Father, give them not only this great day, Father, of blessing, but this week, Father, multiply to them the goodness that is of your spirit, the power that's of your spirit. Father, multiply to them the blessings, Father of heaven, as you open the windows over them from heaven and pour out blessing there's not room enough to receive. Give them, Lord God. Give them grace, Lord Jesus, and mercy this week as they go. We thank you for that. Bless them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Have a. Amen. Have a. Amen. Have a. Amen. Have a.